Good morning. We welcome you to this pre-recorded service coming to you on February the 18th from the Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We are so glad that you joined us, and we pray that as we share this hour of worship together, we will all experience the presence of God in a special way. Thank you for joining us, and we all wish God's presence to be with us as we share this worship together. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad as we prepare our hearts for worship. Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let us worship God.
We hold the treasure of heaven in clay jars. The gifts of God are tarnished by our poor choices, by our self-serving desires, and by our willful disobedience. We become enslaved to habits that destroy and addicted to activities that waste our time and energy. We need to seek forgiveness and a better way. Where are you, God? We confess that we have ignored you for so long that we feel out of touch. When we have a sudden need, it feels as if you are hiding from us. On those days when it seems we are down in a pit and there is no way out, we do not dare to trust that you are there. Instead, we look for help in the wrong places and pursue our own ideas of what is best for us. Forgive us, O oh God, and teach us healthy self-control and responsiveness to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. No matter how far we stray, we can begin again as free and forgiven children of God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us join Christians past and present and from all over the world in proclaiming our common faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As free and forgiven children, we can be a source of goodness in the world. So whether you're taking a minute to let someone know why you appreciate them, reaching out to someone you've lost touch with, or offering a prayer for someone from whom you're estranged, let us now, in our own way, share the peace of the Lord.
welcome to worship. We are delighted that you have joined us today. Quick, check your watch. Depending on when you are watching this pre-recording, you still might have time to come enjoy, enjoy the great music from the Lacey Jane Band at our Valentine drive-thru today, Sunday, February 14th from 3 to 4.30. When you arrive, we ask that you um, come into the parking lot off of Lockwood Ridge Road. You'll find some lovely festive Church of the Palms flags and a welcoming, smiling face to welcome you onto our campus. At the drive-through, you will receive a free Lenten devotional, ashes to go, special treats for you and your furry friend, and so much more. Remember to bring your plastic Easter eggs and big bags of M&Ms and jelly beans if you want to participate in that collection that we're doing for the children that are at Emma uh, Booker Elementary School. We hope to see you there. It's going to be a great time for our whole church family. Looking ahead this week, I am so excited for our Race in the Church conversation on Monday night, February 15th from 6 to 7.30 via Zoom. We are going to get to hear a presentation on the book Cast from Harold Young, who is a member of our sister congregation, Light of the World Church. We're going to break into small groups in Zoom rooms to discuss some questions. Now, you can get those questions in advance. You'll receive them on Monday when you have registered for the Zoom link. When you go to our website to register, you'll also see a link to about an hour um, interview with the author of the book, Cast, Isabel Wilkerson. And you might want to take a listen to that and watch that just to give you some good information before you come into the conversation, if you have time. It's not a requirement. Ash Wednesday is this week, February 17th, and we are going to have a service right here in the sanctuary at 6.30. We'd like for you to register for that worship experience and also for you to know that we will be live streaming, live streaming it as well so you can watch it from home. We are looking forward to beginning our 40-day Lenten journey together. Looking a little bit farther ahead, we will begin a new series for God in Hollywood called Truth and Consequences. On Wednesday, February 24th at 6.30 on Zoom, Pastor Steve will be discussing the movie On the Waterfront. So we um, ask you to register online for that so you can join in on that interesting conversation. Friends, let us continue our worship of God. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Almighty God, O oh God of love that will not let us go. In this time of worship, we contemplate in awe all the wonders of this world. Your glory shines daily upon us. You have called us by name. When we see how perfect you are, we also observe our own failings how we have neglected to glorify you and to look at our neighbors in need as we too often focus on our needs alone. Open our eyes to see those around us who might really need a friend today. On this day that highlights love, give us a sense of awareness for those who might be especially suffering. Comfort those who know the pain of heartbreak Place your healing hands on their weary heart and fill them with your perfect and divine love. Reassure the children that might not know the love of a father or a mother. Place on their path the adults that will fulfill their needs so they may never lack love. We lift to you, O oh God, those who struggle to identify whom they love. May they always feel like your beloved children in their time of discernment. Empower those who especially find it hard to love themselves, who may not feel worthy. May they soon discover the unique gift that you have graciously offered each and every one of us. Encourage the school teachers, the social workers, and the youth leaders today as they continue to creatively intervene as nurturing people in your children's lives. May they be continuously energized by the Holy Spirit as they learn to offer their gifts in new ways because of the pandemic. Comfort those who are sick. May they feel your healing presence. Provide us with sweet memories today of the precious people who have gone before us. May their light continue to shine through you until we meet them again. Give wisdom to our world leaders that they may make decisions for the good of all the people. May your unending compassion touch them so that they in turn, they will promote a world filled with your reconciling peace. Graciously accept our prayers today, and may your will be done according to your wisdom.
We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now it is a time when we pause and take a moment to express our gratitude to God for all the rich blessings that we receive every day. God has worked through Church of the Palms to bring food to the hungry, education to young children, counseling to those who feel lost, and so much more. It is through your generosity that the church can be the hands and feet of Christ. Speaking of generosity, we're continuing to focus this year on the fruit of the Spirit, and February is the month for generosity. So we are able, we're so glad that we can show you today this video that will show you how God has been moving in people's lives. Here's the first video of our series called, How Does Your Garden Grow? In which we'll be showing how members of the church are showing up in the community and using this specific fruit of the Spirit. You get to see how the seed of one small act can lead others to join in and make great changes. We hope you enjoy. Without the right soil, without the right tools, how can a garden be expected to grow? This is what two women saw at a local elementary school. Soon enough, they knew it was time to act. They laid out their plan and asked, what can be done about this? They brought their concern to Pastor Steve, who then brought it to the school's principal. Where do you need help growing? How can we do our part in helping these kids? Until finally, a garden replenished. A generous gift provided these kids with the help they needed books, supplies, everything they needed to grow. And it all started when someone first noticed their need. How does your garden grow?
Let's pray. Lord, we offer our gifts to you with grateful, cheerful hearts. Thank you that you meet our needs on the journey, providing what we need when we need it. Trusting you, we can share what we have with others, and we do this joyfully together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, children. I hope you're coming near the TV or any screen you have. Well, today is a very special day, and let's see what I have in my bag. Oh, let's see. Oh, this says a card, pretty card. It says happy anniversary, but it's not my anniversary. Well, let's see. Um, this has... Merry Christmas. It's not Christmas Day. Um, oh, very pretty Easter egg. It's not Easter Sunday. It's not Easter egg hunt day. Um, oh, this is a beautiful card. It says happy birthday. It's not my birthday. Well, let's see what else do I have. Oh, some beef jerky I like to eat for snack. Oh. There is some more stuff, beautiful blank cards. Oh, let's see what else is there. Oh, there is a big heart full of chocolates. Oh, both milk chocolate and dark chocolate. Yeah, it is Valentine's Day. Most people know it as Valentine's Day. So anyways, what is Valentine's Day? Today is Valentine's Day, they told me. Well. It is Valentine's Day, but you know, somebody is your Valentine every day. 
Valentine's Day is about love, planting love, growing in love with one another, and giving chocolate, giving cards, receiving, not receiving, not giving. I won't be giving any of you Valentine today. But God is our Valentine, and all of us are God's Valentine every single day, not only on our birthdays, not only on anniversary or Easter Sunday, God is our Valentine because he loves us so always, all the time. Would you please remember that and pray with me? Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we are so grateful that you love us always, every day and every moment of each day for all our lives. Help us to know how to love you back and love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we continue in our journey through the fruit of the Spirit, and as you may recall, this month we are focusing on the fruit of generosity, thinking through the, the theme, how does your garden grow, and wondering about how our generosity is formed out of the garden that we cultivate within our own lives, the fruit that bears uh, that comes from our life into the lives of others. And so we are in the midst as well uh, through looking at our generosity as a congregation, and we invite you to keep that in mind. Soon you'll be receiving in the mail commitment cards that we will plan to bring forward to the Lord on February the 28th, two weeks from today. 
So we encourage you to take a look for those, and we invite you to prayerfully consider how it is that you might continue to bear fruit through your generosity through the ministry here at Church of the Palms. You'll be invited uh, to uh, present your commitments if you so happen to join us on Sunday the 28th here within the sanctuary, or you will be invited to mail those in uh, throughout the course of the season such that uh, you can make your commitments known to us. We are taking a look at the various ways by which, by which God is seeking to create this garden within us, and we looked last week at God the tiller, and today we're going to look at God the planter, on our way to looking at God the nourisher, and then God the pruner. So today we look at two texts that come to us from the New Testament, the first from the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, beginning at the 38th verse. Let's hear the word of God. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Our second lesson is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 31 and 32. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. James Michener, in one of his great historical novels, Hawaii, tells the tale of those luscious islands from the very, very, very beginning. He postulates the tens of millions of years it took those small masses of land to rise, the volcanic activity on the ocean floor, the growing mountains of molten rock, the descending glaciers of the Ice Age, and then finally the islands that emerged and remained above the oceanic waters, a, a volcanic iceberg, if you will, peering just over sea level, a rock in the middle of the ocean. But then comes the rest of the story. Mishner imagines the day when upon this barren rock lands a bird, some tropical bird, which by the help of the Pacific wind currents has drifted over to these islands. And from some previous vegetative feast, this bird happens to bear inside a seed or two left over from some exotic plant. The seeds are expelled the usual way, and one manages to trickle down into some crevice where there is just enough soil into which it embeds. The rain and the sun do their part, and the seed germinates, a plant grows, and then comes the rest of the rest of the story. Seeds form at the end of its stalks, and the wind scatters the seed to other crevices, more germination, and what results over the next series of millennia are what we now know as the islands of Hawaii, to which I have never been, but they tell me it's nice. A paradise, they say, all perhaps from one tiny seed. Likely when you were young, you asked your mom and dad where you came from, and because it would be years before you would crack open a biology book, mom and dad had to make it simple. So they told you, likely, that it all began when a seed got planted in mommy's tummy. 
seed sounds much better than zygote. A seed got planted in mommy's tummy, and the seed grew and grew, which is pretty much the case. And then out you came, and the rest is history. The rest is the rest of the story. From a microscopic cell came the likes of you, good, old, beautiful, complicated you. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, a tiny, tiny, tiny mustard seed, the, the smallest of all the seeds, and yet when it's planted and when it's nourished and when it grows and when it breaks the soil and when it blooms and blossoms, there is this great rest of the story. There is this emerging plant, this expanding shrub, this far-reaching tree, and, and even that is not the whole story because from this tiny seed has come not just branch and limb, but the rest of the story is that it becomes a home. It, it becomes a home. It becomes a place for a bird to land and a place from which the bird can sing. And even that is not the end of the story, for the rest of the rest of the rest of the story is that from this tiny seed comes a place to make a nest and to lay some eggs and to incubate, and to hatch, and to feed, and to fledge. And it all starts, Jesus says, when that seed makes its way into the soil planted by the great planter, and then found its way inside the earth, and then found the right condition to germinate. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, starts small and goes big. The kingdom of heaven contains the miracle and potential of new life. The kingdom of heaven is always up to something new. If it can only find the right conditions by which to germinate. In the kingdom of heaven, there is always a rest of the story. It makes me think of the times when you and I begin wondering about the people in the early chapters of our life, you know, people that we once knew but lost touch with. Maybe, maybe you attended a high school or college reunion or you, or you stumble upon some childhood friend on Facebook or you return to your hometown or you bump into someone at the airport from your past and you, and you get yourself into a conversation about the good old days and your good old gang and, and you start wondering about the people who were once in your life. And, and the question that invariably gets asked is, whatever happened to? Whatever happened to John? Whatever happened to Mary? Whatever happened to Julie? And what follows is from someone's memory, some kind of story. Oh, yeah, let's see. Mary, she ended up going to Florida State, and, and she started a business, I think, and now she's a bajillionaire. Oh, John, yeah, he moved up to Maryland and became a teacher, and I think he's coaching the local high school football team. Oh, Julie, yeah, she became a writer, and maybe you've seen some of her novels on the shelves at Barnes & Noble. Whatever happened to? It's a question I often find myself asking when I'm reading the Bible page after page after page, we run into these characters that appear on the biblical stage and they have their moment in the unfolding history of God and God's people and then all of a sudden they walk right off the page and then you wonder, whatever happened to them? When Jesus tells the rich man that to inherit eternal life, he's got to sell everything he has, give the money to the poor and follow him and scripture says he walked away off the page. And I want to know, where did he go? What did he do with that information? When the woman at the well has her conversation with Jesus and then returns home, I'm just curious, what happened after she got home? What did she do with that conversation? And when the centurion at the cross looks up at the crucified Jesus and says, this truly was the Son of God, what happened after that? The next day, 
So seldom do we ever know the rest of the story. So maybe that's why I'm so grateful for our little story in the Gospel of John today. Each one of the Gospels, of course, tells the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, and they tell it all in a little different way. And, and all four Gospels, though, make sure to tell us of a certain man, Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Temple Council who has been influenced by the teachings of Jesus, shows up to arrange for the burial of Jesus. But when John tells us a story, he also wants us to know that there was not just Joseph at the scene, but there was another person at the scene. He tells us that Nicodemus was there too. Nicodemus showed up and made sure that Jesus had a proper burial. And now I have at least a little bit of an answer to my question, whatever happened to Nicodemus? Because in John's gospel, we meet Nicodemus pretty close to the beginning of the story when he comes to Jesus by night and asks Jesus about this whole kingdom thing. And, and Jesus says to Nicodemus that, that you can't see the kingdom, Nicodemus, without being born again. You, you can't see the kingdom unless the seed finds its way into that little crevice inside of you. You just can't go on being yourself, Nick. You have to let the seed in. You've got to let the seed grow. You have to be born again. And then, then Nicodemus just walks off the stage. But now, 16 chapters later, Nicodemus steps back onto the stage again, and it's clear that the seed has started to germinate. The seed has grown. A new life is on its way to being born. Scripture says that Nicodemus and Joseph covered up the seed of Jesus with spices and linen and planted the seed of Jesus into a nearby garden, and we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story because we're the rest of the story. We are the fledgling followers wondering, what does it mean to be born again? Can anyone be born after having grown old? Nicodemus asked Jesus way back at the beginning. Remember that question? How can anyone be born after having grown old? And it's a question, I suppose, that comes from a person, in this case Nicodemus, who, who thinks that maybe they've come to the end of their story person who thinks that maybe the garden of their life just won't grow anymore, that, that no seed's going to make it inside my cracks, that no miracle of germination is possible still inside of me. And, and life most certainly will do that to you, right? We, we live in a culture that doubts more and more the fertility of mature gardens, that there really isn't a rest of your story. Is there a rest of your story? Is there enough soil in your life to bear a mustard seed? You see, God has this way of creating inside you and me that unique set of elements that something so unique, so beautiful, so wonderful is able to grow within if we just let the planter plant the tiniest of seeds. There's a woman I once knew who lived in Honduras. Honduras, as most of us know, is one of the poorest countries in, Western, in the Western Hemisphere. She lives in a town called La Entrada. Her name is Victoria. I, I met Victoria when she was a squatter. She was in her 60s and lived in the middle of the town in a lean-to shack of sticks and mud with a plastic drop cloth draped over the top that served as the roof. Victoria did whatever she could to survive. She worked in whatever little job she could find to make whatever little money she could make to eat whatever little food she could eat. Whenever I saw her walking through town, she would greet me with this big smile and give me a hug. She, she carried a disposition that belied her condition. With as little as she had, she lived up to her name, Victoria, Victory see her smile and to feel her warmth, one would be amazed to see the home that she had to return to every night. And then the town came 
and leveled her lean-to, bulldozed it right over. End of story. Except that some Christian brothers and sisters found a little house and acquired it for Victoria. Now, when I say a little house, what I mean is a little concrete dwelling smaller than the size of most backyard sheds, a hundredfold better than what she had and a billionfold less than what you and I have. I went to visit Victoria in her little hovel about a year or so after she moved in. To get there, you have to pass through squalor and poverty and trash and filth. But when you're invited into Victoria's home, you are invited into a palace. A palace not by measure of what you see, but by measure of Victoria's pride. Welcome to my palace, says Victoria with her smile. It takes about 20 seconds to view the inside of this palace, two rooms that can fit together into most master bedroom closets. Not much to behold, but that's not what Victoria really wants you to see anyway. What she wants you to see outside her palace is her garden. Now, mind you, Victoria doesn't really have much of a place to plant a garden. She has no property to speak of, but what Victoria has done is she's found every nook and cranny, every tin can, every discarded flower pot, every ounce of dirt, and she has planted whatever she can think to plant, flowers and vegetables, peppers and poppies, sugar cane and sunflowers. Amidst the poverty and squalor of her neighborhood, Victoria has planted a garden of life and beauty and goodness. She takes you from plant to plant and tells you in Spanish, which I cannot understand, what every plant is and what it does. I take her word for it. This is what she has done with the postage stamp that God has given her. This is her garden. This is her Victoria garden. This is her victory garden. Amidst all the forces that would seek to defeat her, amidst the end of the world that, God, that the world would want to put on her story, amidst the poverty and despair, amidst the ugliness, Victoria has declared victory with her garden. Life over death, all upon her one one-thousandth of an acre. And it's strange how life works. You can look at your property and say, not much. You can look at your bank account and say, eh, not much. You can look at the environment around you and say, eh, not much. You can look at your age and say, too much. And then you start to say, story over. Time to let the garden go. Nothing coming out of that ground, you say. No mustard seed's got a chance in this life. Thank God Rosa Parks didn't say that when she boarded that bus in Montgomery. Thank God that Booker T. Washington didn't say that when he was working in the salt furnaces and coal mines of West Virginia. Thank God Frederick Douglass didn't say that when he was slashed and bound by slavery's whips and chains. Because to say that, it's just not living in the kingdom. It's just not living in the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, mustard seeds become plants, and plants become bushes, and bushes extend their branches to singing birds nest and incubate and hatch and fledge. In the kingdom grow victory gardens. In the kingdom Nicks and Rosas and Bookers and Victorias have lots more story to tell. In the kingdom old men can be born again.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm-hmm.